love, baby love, endless love, even honey love. But nobody, I mean no one, has ever, ever broke out in leather suits, lost in the desert singing about struggle love. Nobody's ever begging and begging and begging for a life of difficulties, hurt, and pain. Struggle love isn't an achievement. It's something you fall into. Like how a remote slips into a couch. Or how your legs fall into the same pair of sweatpants week after week after week. Struggle love has its own movie genre, usually starring black actors and actresses because who else but African Americans would willingly decide to choose from a lineup of broke and broken people to find their soulmate. We tell each other that we'll never let somebody do us until it happens again and again. To think we watch movies showing couples in emotional distress as entertainment, the result speaks for itself. And yet we love them. I can give you my top five list of struggle love movies. At number five, I got Lim and Bird in 1997's Soul Food. Two young people ferociously in love with each other who could barely rub two pennies together, who think they can build a life together, maybe, but not without a whole lot of struggle. And number four, I have Dominique and Lauren in 2012, Think Like a Man. This couple had its own theme music. Can you remember that? The movie itself was called a comedy, but should have been described as a fantasy, given its premise that Steve Harvey could actually give you valuable relationship advice. Of course, Steve Harvey knows family feuds. He's on wife number three. As for my top three, I will discuss them with today's special guests, Joy and KC, the Alchemist, two-thirds of the Memphis-based podcast team, 3BC, Three Black Chicks, powered by Kazukian. In our conversation about struggle love narrative, we cover important issues like Reggae John, Denzel, Tay Diggs, and John David Washington. Today, Joy and Casey join me in demystifying the common narrative of struggle love films. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by A1 Pest Masters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pest Masters. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. this year, I brought you The Sound North in Minneapolis. Today, let's take a virtual ride down I-57 South, the freeway of love, to the jewel of the Shelby County, Tennessee, the place where Chicago's very own D. Rose played his only NCAA season. The city is home to Sun and Stack Records, the record labels of Elvis Presley and Otis Redding. Yes, I'm bringing you Memphis' own Joy and Casey the Alchemist, two-thirds of the podcasting team, 3BC, 
three black chicks. We talk about podcasting and movies and whether or not to deal with relationships with pieces of men, the plot at the heart of most struggle love films. Hey guys, this is Valerie Johnson and welcome to Interludes. Uh, My guests on today, excited to have three black chicks, 3BC, and they're out of Memphis. They have a podcast called 3BC. Very excited to introduce you guys to Joy Doss and KC. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Can you hear us, KC? She just made a face. <laughs> oh, her her oh, her sound just went off. Okay. All right. And so we'll, we'll wait. Well, I'll, I'll just say that's KC, the alchemist. Um, mm-hmm. She's the sec- one of the second BCs. We have a third BC who's recovering. She's um at home recovering from covid and that's miss close so she couldn't be here today but she's doing well um you know no ventilator wasn't that dire but we're just making her wait it out and rest that's very smart casey are you with us i'm back i'm sorry my audio took a lunch break and it's back (laughs) now (laughs) oh my god (laughs) Very entertaining podcast. I checked you guys out. My executive producer, Michael Womble, told me about you guys. Really quickly, how did the idea come about for 3BCs? Tell me about it. So 3BC actually started um, with a different set of women five years, about five years ago. This is the third iteration, and we're hoping maybe the third time was a charm. I was on the first uh, version of 3BC, and it was kind of a rotating cast of women. And then um, there was a second iteration, and now this is the third time. And it seems like, you know, it's working out. Um, we figured out like the the chemistry, we figured out the balance. Um, so we're going pretty strong. We've had a lot of great feedback. It's under the Kazukian network. So it was actually the brainchild of the um, CEO, Larry Robinson. And he assembled this podcast and put the, because he said, you know what? Women are the wave. We are the wave. And our voices need to be heard, and particularly Black women. Mm-hmm. So, vision to to know and understand that we're the wave you know before the wave actually before the wave happened actually you know before that was you know uh Kamala and Stacy you know became household names and everything so uh particularly from the southern perspective you know we have southern perspective but global um experiences and global mindsets so that perspective is what he wanted and what we're doing I think I hope and- and also, we've recently become uh, pretty much an all-Black women staff. Um, Larry has given us a new engineer, who is my cousin, by the way, also. Um, her name is Tangela. So he's really moving towards empowering Black women across the board in different areas, not just as being on the podcast, but behind the scenes as well. Our Marcom team is Black women. Mm-hmm. So I'm also Marcom for the station. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the network, sorry, for the network, along with Asha, who is another young black lady. Well, young, she's young, not me. <laughs> we are all young at heart. Excuse me. I am I am forever, forever young. I'm going to go ahead and embrace that. How does your Southern roots play a part in what you guys pick for topics and discuss? Casey, you want to take it? Woo! Um, 
I want to say for me, at least being Southern, I have a whole lot of opinions and we kind of filter things that we see going on and how we were raised because we were all raised the same way. We were all raised by black mamas in the church. Uh, coincidentally, the three of us, all of our mothers were teachers at some point as well. My mom was a teacher later on in life. Yeah. Um, so we filter it through through our culture, through our growing up in a Baptist church culture, through having um, single mothers, you know, being the leaders in our household and through the, oh, when we were in school, you know, our mom would never, or Joy's mom actually was my teacher at some point. And to this day, actually, when I call Joy's house, I'm, hey, hey, Miss Dallas, Miss Dallas, how you doing, Miss Dallas? I'm right back to being 16 when I call her, you know, that upbringing is that strong. And so we filter everything through that. I think she taught Chloe too. Oh, that's right. She did. Oh, she did have us all. We've mm -hmm. been together. We've known, well, not been together, but we've known each other since junior high school. It was mm -hmm. called junior high school then. <laughs> <laughs> so about 30, it's, I guess it, at this point 35. it's going on 31 years. 35. Is it really? Is my math that bad? My math is that bad. That's right. That was, that was not at 17. That was at 13. Yeah, it was about 35 years, so... Um, but also through the lens of um, having the influence of the grandma, a strong maternal mm -hmm. grandmother too. You know, you had that that figure there. Uh, Chloe had more influence probably from her dad. Um, had, Casey had influence from her father figure a little later. I had influence from my dad, but in a different way. He wasn't in the home. They were divorced, but. I had some input from him, but he was, he, he's a complicated character. Uh, <laughs> a complicated man. <laughs> he's a complicated, interesting character. Um, but yeah, through that lens, we filter things through that lens as well. Um, and Casey and I also have kids mm -hmm. as well. Well, I have one. She has multiple children. I have four. Wow, Casey, you're a mother of four. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm a grandmother wow. of six. Grandmama. She's the grandmama. Okay. You I'm Casey, I'm I'm looking at Casey and I'm looking at her and I'm not seeing I'm not seeing <laughs> grandma at all. I'm not seeing none of that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. She got screen kids. Yeah. You know, and, and also um I feel like Joy probably had a more she was uh able to have more feminine energy influence in her upbringing. Okay. And so you'll notice the difference, like just in the way that we're styled, she still looks very feminine. She's got that BK, you know, she's got the earrings and the hoodie and she glossed up. Whereas me in the household, I grew up mostly with my grandparents. And so, you know, that's my, my grandfather, uh, my two uncles in the household. So here I am, you know, in my DC t-shirt, just bare naked face. So you can, even the visual represents the influences that we had growing up. <laughs> it was going to be on camera. I'm still giving this what I'm giving. <laughs> be your be your true authentic self. That's how I say. Be your true authentic self. Don't don't try to rearrange yourself for anybody. And I I was thinking 
Some of the topics that you guys have covered, the one that I found the funniest was you guys' review of Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that had me rolling. Responded to that actually. Because we, I was, we do love us some Vergajan. Yeah. Oh, such yeah. a good-looking young man. And I have to put in my brain. When were you born? Yeah, you probably young enough to be my kid. So I, a, it's all right. It's See, okay. I do the same thing. Joy's like grown is grown. Grown is grown. I, there's I yeah. There's the age. I think twelve. So I mean, it's certainly problematic if I'm looking at somebody her age. But I don't have any grown kids. I have a twelve-year-old. So I mean, and he's thirty something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So over thirty counts. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> over thirty counts. <laughs> no oh problem. Yeah, and I, I loved how you all compared what he did before to this particular role and just kind of just talking about, because I was thinking the young lady that played opposite of him looked so young and so she looked like a mm -hmm. teenager to me. And, and when you mm -hmm. all brought out, that's how they looked in paintings. I said, yes. oh, yeah, duh, that's right. So if you go to any of any exhibition where they have, you know, period art, you know, the Louvre or whoever, you know, it, that is exactly what they look like. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So I'm speaking about romance and, and things in film. We want to talk struggle love films. And I, I made a top 10 list. I don't know if you all have any films that come off of your top of your head. I always think we of do, but they're. Go ahead, Casey. We do, but they're probably on your list, honestly. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I think let me let me bring up my list because I know at number one, one of my favorite all time. It was a struggle love film, but it's my favorite film all of all time because it was shot here in Chicago is Love oh, Jones. Love Jones. Oh, that's, that's number one on my list. One of my favorite. Number, oh, it is. And why is it? Why is that one of your favorite movies? Love Jones. Like, I mean, it is struggle love. Don't get me wrong. It's struggle love. Like, you know, it is promoting that narrative that we just expected to ride it out and understand this man's whatever, you know, his moves and his where he is. And like, you know, we're supposed to just ride it out until he figures it out type of, yeah. you know, narrative. However, that movie at that particular time spoke to our entire generation. Mm -hmm. Like everything about that movie was indicative to our generation, the way they interacted, the house parties, mm -hmm. um, things they said, the things they wore, you know, the hair. Mm -hmm. And the music. Um, oh and most importantly, the music. Everything, everything about it. I mean, from, you know, dialogue to design to music spoke to our generation, everything. And it was just, it's, so that's why it's still a favorite despite the struggle of narrative. It never clicked for me. It, it never did. There were things about the movie I liked. Like mm -hmm. I liked the way that it was shot. I love the cinematography. Mm -hmm. You know, I love just the realness in the, in the outfits that they were wearing. I especially loved Nia's makeup, you know, with the dark purples and the purples. The vamp, remember everybody yes. now vamp. Everybody was wearing that. The, the hope, and the and the um the lip and nail lacquer. I hope people remember. I hope we haven't got to the point where people forget <laughs> that that was an actual look. You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So there were things about it I liked, but I just 
it didn't click for me because I I just don't believe in that. I don't believe in ride it out while you figure it out, especially if I've already got it together. Right. At least bring me some kind of a complete package. Don't bring me just I'm scattered all over the place, but stick by me. Stick by me while I get it. Fragments. Yeah. Yes. The fragments. The fragments. I don't um, I don't want your pieces. <laughs> Um, not in any particular order. One of my other favorites, that's A Struggle Love. And I, it's, a, it's one of the film, few films I like from Spike Lee called Mo' Better Blues. That's a Ooh, real but I love Mo' Better. I mm-hmm. love Mo' Better Blues. And Casey, <laughs> why do you love Mo' Better Blues? Because it's of Denzel or what? <laughs> yes, I've seen every Denzel film except for The Great Debaters. And it's actually on my list. I think I found it on Hulu the other day. But I have, I have seen every Denzel film most of them more than once and I just I just love the brother you know and I do love that he picked joie in the end even though she did go through the struggle but then she did say hey look I'm done if this is what you're doing I'm out but he when he got himself together he came back and said I'm presenting to you this whole better version of me now and I'm going to do the thing and do right by you and that's what they did you know, but she didn't just stick with him necessarily through the foolery. When she saw that he was just going to be about that bull, she said, well, go, you go ahead over there with her and you do that. Yeah. But it was still about, it still kind of pushed the narrative that we're supposed to be just waiting. Mm-hmm. Right. waiting and available when you're available. Mm-hmm. Kind of pushed that. But I did, I do love them. I'm not saying I didn't love the movie. I loved it. I do. I did love it. Um, and you know, Spike, he he brings you a film. Yes, he does. Cinema. Cinema. A full, a full complete story. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. always grateful. I'm always grateful for that. Brown sugar. Yeah. What did you think of that one? Up. Oh, Casey says no. Okay. It just again, it. it just mm-hmm. didn't click for me. Okay. I like brown sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Brown sugar too. But brown so brown sugar. The reason why is brown sugar was also very Brooklyn in New York and they filmed it right across from where I was I used to live <laughs> in Brooklyn. So that part, um that part stuck with me. I really liked seeing that a lot of people were filming for Green Park. Um and I really liked seeing I connected to that part of it, you know, and the places they went were very New York, you know, they were at High 97, they were talking to Angie Martinez and all. So all that, you know, when I lived there, um, was I still living there when it came? I think I was, may have, I was still living there when it came out. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I connected to all of that. Yeah, the, the I had just, I, I had just moved to New York probably the year before, I think it came out in 2002. The mm-hmm. one thing that was very haunting, because I had moved there three months before September 11th, so when they shot that film, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, Joy, they had uh, the, the lights up representing the Twin Towers, so they showed that scene very briefly in Brown Sugar, so I, it just kind of kind of tugs at my heart a little bit when I see that. So the one thing I, I like in comparison with Love Jones and Brown Sugar is that I feel like they honor where it's shot. And what did you first love about hip hop? I love that question. So if people wanted to find you guys, how would they do that? 
Um, we're at 3BC Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you can also subscribe to the Kazookian app. We are empowered by the Kazookian Network, as we like to say. So you can find it on the Kazookian app, and you can find it at the Kazookian website, kazookian.com. And Kazookian is a made-up word, but it is derived from kudzu because it just describes, you know, the resilience of the company and the people in the company, but also the resilience and ability to thrive. So it's Kazookian based off kudzu, K-U-D-Z-U-K-I-A-N.com. And we are on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts. There we are. And you guys, and you guys go every week or every other week. How often do you all post? Um, we typically release episodes twice a week. Mm-hmm. Joy Dosh, KC, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Let's break here, but there's more to this conversation. Discover our thoughts on recent films like Sylvie's Love and Malcolm and Marie and what they say about women in relationships on the emerging Interludes YouTube channel. If you've checked the channel, you probably know that within this section of Women's History Month, we are currently in Diva Birthday Week. Celebrating birthdays this week are Shaka Khan, Diana Ross, Mariah Carey, and Lady Gaga. With all due respect, the week most importantly marks the birth date of the Queen of Soul, Miss Aretha Franklin, born March 25, 1942. Miss Franklin, who died in 2018, is the subject of National Geographic Channel's miniseries, Genius, which debuted earlier this week. The more one learns about the trials and heartaches this woman faced, it's clear that she is worthy of R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Want to know where I review Genius Aretha? Check out our Interludes YouTube channel. Next week on Interludes. Like I grew up uh, watching Spike Lee's of the world, Robert Townsend's, you know, these types of uh, uh, films. So Mr. Wisdom started off because I wanted to actually put out a word, you know, write something <laughs> that made a difference. Meet the filmmaker and cast of the mysterious Mr. Wisdom on the next Interludes. For more information on the podcast, go to our Interludes podcast Facebook page. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by A1 Pestmasters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pestmasters at area code 773-365-9962 or visit their website at a1pestmasters.com. When you book your appointment with A1 Pestmasters, tell them that you heard it first on the podcast called Interludes. Please subscribe and like our new Interludes podcast YouTube channel.